Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian Visual Arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. Earlier this year, the Arts Council of Ireland put out a policy called Paying the Artist. It instantly had a huge impact across Ireland and also across the world. Nava, of course, was fascinated to see a policy that was all about what are the different roles that a government agency can have when it comes to making sure that their visual arts sector is ambitious and fair. I spoke with Toby Dennett from the Arts Council of Ireland and we had a conversation um, online. So the sound is going to be hopefully great, um, but uh, listen in, we've got a, a great conversation about the background, about the condition for artists and organisations in Ireland and the next steps for the Paying the Artist strategy in 2020 and beyond. Toby Dennett, all the way from the Arts Council of Ireland. It is so, so wonderful of you to have this conversation with me. First of all, tell me about um, your role and what it involves. I'm a strategic development manager in the Arts Council, and I guess that looks for areas related to policy and research primarily. So it's not necessarily exclusively related to the artist, but it's uh, the more corporate approach is the Arts Council has around areas of policy or, or research. And of course, in the areas that are around the way that artists' um, careers are sustained in, I guess, understanding what's changing, how incomes are changing, that must be a kind of a really interesting, but also probably quite a chilling and surprising area when you see what, what's happening with trends. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a former role I had here when I first joined the Arts Council was head of artist supports, and that was a role I suppose primarily associated with the Arts Council's policies and practices relating to the individual artist. Uh, a number of years ago, we had a reshuffle, and uh, that exclusive role relating to the artist disappeared. But I've still kind of kept some involvement in that area because of. You know, there are impacts across research and policy. I also previously used to be director of Visual Artists Island, which would have been, I suppose, the All-Ireland uh, representative resource organization for visual artists. So, I, and I have a background as a, as a practicing artist. I went to art college many years ago and uh, gave it up for the greater good of arts administration. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of come from that, that, that background, I suppose, would have been involved in artist-run spaces. But certainly I, I, that's not part of my, uh, I suppose, working life now. I'm very much a, a, an arts manager, public servant and the like. So, uh, but yeah, I guess I would have had a strong sense over the years of the challenges 
facing the individual artist. Uh, obviously, we've been being involved in projects and pieces of research over the years, which I suppose put the uh, sort of structure on that as well. But I mean, a lot of what we hear, a lot of what you hear about artists' lives is not so much through research, it's through their stories or you know what you hear from, from people about their individual circumstances. It's often hard to then, uh, you know, if you go out to do a piece of research to actually really capture some of that in in research but it's um yeah i mean it's, it is part of the uh i suppose the struggle of trying to capture those things for official purposes is you know it's people don't always want to tell you or have it written down or you know it's, it's their personal circumstances their personal stories and you know while they might be happy to kind of share it with you in a certain sense putting it down in writing or making it official is something people aren't always necessarily want, want to do. Which is why it's so fortunate to have someone specifically with, with your background in that role. So then let's, let's talk really specifically then about the paying the artist policy because this is something which I think is extraordinarily important and as far as I know it's quite unprecedented. You know, we talk a great deal whether it's among artists in the sector or at the government level about how the arts sector, the industry has elaborated and grown over the years. There are roles that exist now that didn't exist 5, 10, 20 years ago. We've created all sorts of employment for a range of different arts professional roles. And yet in Australia, at least, the average incomes of artists have not increased at all since the 1980s when a series of research projects led by Professor David Throsby started to be uh, developed and released through the Australia Council. So we've got this sense that, uh, and this very disappointing sense, that an industry that's relied upon by so many other industries and also the nature of artistic practice, which is central to our culture, the way we express ourselves, um, is something that has, uh, you know, in terms of its economic tendrils and impacts, created strong kind of sustainable livelihoods for a range of people, but not for artists. So what's the situation like yeah. in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, I guess it'd be a similar story in terms of the 1980s to, to now. There was the first main piece of research on uh, on, on artists' incomes, living working conditions, was done, I think, done in around 1980. And when the Arts Council, in conjunction with the Arts Council of Northern Ireland as well, we did a joint research project um, in 2010, published a, quite a big study on the living working conditions of artists, it, it kind of concluded that, yeah, not much had changed really since 1980. Uh, it was a similar story, similar patterns. So uh, we haven't shocking, really done a, a major piece of research since that 2010 study, mm. but we're committing to that now through this policy. But yeah, I mean, I think the, anecdotally as well, and through also, I suppose, the sector specific pieces of research that get done be it through the, through the Visual Arts Island or Theatre Forum or, you know, there are these uh, other, you know, se sector undertaking pieces of research as well. And that continues to indicate that really artists are, are, are really struggling to uh, sustain, maintain careers, has big impact in terms of people leaving the country or just leaving the sector, leaving yeah, the industry altogether. You, know, you can see being reported people are, I suppose just those sorts of creative skills 
are, are things that are attractive to other industries as well. And in some cases, you know, younger, particularly younger artists, before they've really figured out where they might be going, can often find themselves in moving on into other areas just because that's where they can earn an income. And it's also, I guess, particularly in terms of, um, I think, when you're perhaps younger, early stage of your career, you'll make certain sacrifices or you're in a position to, you know, take more risks or you know some of the types of opportunities that you you might be offered or available to you or you're more flexible but as people progress they get a little bit older and start having more responsibilities they want to settle down maybe have a family all of that stuff impacts on really you know the ability to to be an artist how sustainable that is and you see that kind of drop off at that point and people who remain in, in the sector you know often say it's because they had a, a partner who was supporting them or they had some other form of you know income or ability to sustain the career outside of the arts obviously teaching is a is a regular one but you know we've also heard recently that those sorts of jobs that a lot of artists might have had particularly in the areas of teaching those are really being squeezed the universities are really cutting down on the number of artists or number of i suppose staff they're taking on how they're taking them on and you know that option even to kind of have that separate career as a teaching in the university in the third level and being an artist that even that is being you know to being squeezed from both sides so So very very similar to here unsurprisingly and of course anyone running an organization they constantly feel like you know I'm, i'm trying to make ends meet i'm trying to offer whatever opportunity i can for artists and that problem of that self-exploitation doing more with less constantly yeah it makes the role of government policy all the more important doesn't it yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, and, you know, in a way, it's probably true to say that throughout the, certainly the last couple of decades, if you looked at our the strategies that the Arts Council has published, it's always put the artist um, up there in, in the way that perhaps other Arts Councils might not have prioritised the, the artist in the same way. Yeah, it's, so uh, it's always been on our agenda and it, we've often, through those strategic documents talked about artists living work conditions and seeking to improve those but you know if you look at our current strategy there are god knows how many kind of commitments in there it's a 10-year strategy so you know one would expect there to be quite a lot in there Uh, but you know i guess there's a sense of look if we really want to do something we can't just be relying on commitments we've made in the strategy you know we need to make a policy out of this we need to kind of i think you know really identify this and by allocating a policy and a you know dedicated plan and by publishing that it puts us under scrutiny in you know under pressure to deliver yeah. on it yeah, um great. so yeah i think it's a kind of a way to i guess the policy is a way to kind of really add weight to the commitments we've made in the stra- in the strategy because it's because there's often so many things you commit to in those documents it's hard to kind of you know really focus on pick one out and focus on it so but by doing this it allows you to kind of add that added weight to it so yeah yeah perfect so tell us then specifically how does the policy work how do you expect it to be implemented well i guess you know in one way um you know, people often think, oh, well, you're the Arts Council, you're the funding body, and so it's all about, you know, making sure that the money you give out goes into the, the pockets of artists. And while, in one sense, yeah, that, that's part of it. I think it's, you know, I think, I guess we'd be conscious that really, you know, we're not, we're not 
an enforcement body at the end of the day. We are a development agency. So while we, we are doing certain things to try and ensure and encourage and uh, make sure that where we offer funding to organizations, that those commitments that they've made around what they pay and how they pay are implemented. It's really a cultural shift we're trying to achieve rather than kind of putting in place some loops that everyone has to jump through. And if they jump through those, then everything's going to be great because we know it's not really going to be like that. So, And obviously the sector is much broader than just what the Arts Council funds. So, yeah, we, I guess we are, we're thinking about the research side of things. We're thinking about the developmental approach. So, and within that, we're really trying to develop the, I suppose, the tools and resources, the points of reference, the, um, uh, the transparency around how and what people pay and what that is for. Because I think often, you know, people just want to know, what, you know, what do you pay? What's the amount? And it's really, I don't really understand that question, what is the amount? Because... It's always linked to something. It's like, what's it for? Um, and I think that's, you know, certainly I think when people are making their applications or even assessors are going, well, you know, what's a good rate? What, what, what is that good or is that bad? It's, it really is about what it's for. And I think that's one of the, um, the challenges of this. It's trying to make organizations think about what it is they're offering and why and how reasonable that is. And by, I suppose, uh, trying to ensure there's more transparency in the sector, and that will start to help in terms of people having a point of reference to say, well, oh, that's what they do, or that's what somebody else does. And artists themselves starting to have a sense of knowing or being able to see what other people do, um, because it often relies on that kind of whisper network of, oh, well, what did they get paid? So, yeah, there's the developmental approach, there's the advocacy, and then there is the, the funding requirements and commitments that we're, that we're putting in place. But I, I, I wouldn't want to overemphasize that aspect. I think that for us, it's that those developmental, the advocacy, the research, they're all part of it. And um, yeah, I think that, that's... Uh, and also, I mean, I think what we really feel is that by, you know, just raising the issue and being the, the national agency and us taking on that approach, it does have a, a knock-on effect in the sector. People do sit up and take notice, and we've had a really strong response on social media, you know, just from the launch of this. But we're, obviously, we we were planning a an ongoing campaign around this as well. And I do think just it being a live issue is something that's that does have have impact. And even us asking the questions over the last three years, uh, in one of our, in our main funding program, we have been asking question, you know, what do you how do you ensure that artists receive fair pay and remuneration in terms? And when we first asked the question, it was a bit, you know, some of the answers were a bit lightweight, or you could almost tell more by what people were not telling you as what they were telling you. But, that, you know, that has the feedback, you know, that, that question is part of the assessment, it's part of the criteria, uh, and then it becomes part of the feedback and part of the relationship management process and over time I think we've definitely seen a shift in that and organizations have started to realize actually yeah the Arts Council is taking this quite seriously so it's all, all of those things together I think start to have a, have an impact so if the, if the sector thinks this is important to the Arts Council I think you know that, that does have an impact um, and I think also one of the questions we're often asked is well what's the minimum what's the minimum standard what's the minimum we have to pay and I think you know, the, the minimums are starting from such a low base that, you know, we don't really want to go there. We want to kind of say, well, what, what, what would be really good? You know, uh, what, what's good practice? What, 
you shouldn't be thinking of minimum as an ambition to get to minimum. Um, yeah, if you're really... receiving arts council funding, you know, you're receiving public money, a public subsidy, we should be doing better than that. I completely agree and I really appreciate that element of the policy that it's not about aiming towards some minimum but it's about everyone working on best practice. Um, I think that's, um, that's so important at a time where, you know, the, as I was saying earlier about that terrible tendency towards self-exploitation where uh, sometimes artists can feel that if they don't accept this low-paying opportunity there won't be another one. Or organisations feel like they need to, you know, struggle to do more with less and just offer as many opportunities as last year or more opportunities than last year. You know, they might not have the, the, the capacity to do so. And something that Nava has been advocating for for some time is that organisations having a policy on artist payment should be a condition of their funding with government. So it's different from saying you will pay artists this amount. It should be up to yeah. organisations to look across the sector, look at uh, which sector service body is setting which uh, industry standard rate and be able to say, you know, why or, or, or why not um, they are achieving that and, and, and what else they're offering. Especially, as you were saying earlier about um, artist runs and, and, and some of your background, it's some organisations don't have any budgets and don't have any source of income, but have got a basis of a community that makes decisions together and that supports each other's professional development. So having to articulate what is that exchange, you know, what, what are you offering? And I really like that wording um, in your policy that makes it clear that it's actually about more than just payment. Yeah, yeah. No, certainly. And, and in terms of that notion that organisations have a policy, that's, you know, where we're going with this. In a way, it's Great. some certain extent where we started with it, but... I think we kind of thought, well, hang on a minute, do we not need to have our own policy first? Yeah, so yeah. I think we did, did start with the notion that, you know, just acknowledging that organisations are on very different levels of funding and capacity uh, and also just the range of sectors and how the issues manifest themselves across those different sectors. It's really hard to have our way that everyone has to do things or our rates or whatever. So that thing of like, well, you as an organization are having a policy. And I, I mean, I was, we, you know, we for a long time, we've always had legislation requiring that if you work with young children or if you work with animals, you have to have a policy. Because yes. um, yes, you're working with vulnerable people in yeah. a vulnerable position you have to kind of say what it is you do to make sure you're protecting uh, that, that scenario. So I guess it was in some ways putting the artist in that vulnerable position and how do you, what do you do to ensure that you're supporting the, the artists that you work with? So yeah, it's where it came from in a way, but uh, with any side, look, I think we need to have a policy first. But yeah, that notion of everyone being held to account themselves rather than having a thing that the arts council a standard that the arts council sets because you know we can't we can't do that we're not in one way we, we can't be the um we can't enforce it and we also you know we can't set that standard we, we because everything's so different oh, yeah. um and it would be productive to your aims yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, in a way part of that um there's a kind of commitment in the developmental side of things where we're looking to for the organizations to be more transparent and publish their own practices and in a way that is i suppose more their their policy and approach um and we 
over the there's uh, legislation here that requires charity organizations to publish certain information around their governance, um, oh, and that kind of came in over a number of years. And you know, it, it wasn't something that we kind of laid down the law that if you can't get your grant this year, you have to have all this done. It was like, okay, over the next three or four years, we're going to be sending you letters every six months saying, what have you done? Can you update us? And you know, over that period. Now we have all of that complete. Everyone has the information required on their website around, you know, their accounts configured in a certain way, top-level information about how much their top-level staff are, uh, receive and all those sorts of things, their governance statements. All of that kind of, you know, happened slowly over a period of two or three years. And I think that's what we're hoping to do with, you know, in a similar way with, with this. So we're looking to kind of for certain organizations to, to start it. Um, and then that becomes almost like a benchmark and we can point and say, well, look, you can see that these other organizations have done it. You know, we're writing to you to ask, you know, wh- when you think you're going to make progress on this. So I think we're, we're looking to kind of bring people with us and achieve change over time and support people in that change and that process um, rather than getting into confront- too confrontational about it. Yeah, I think that makes such good sense because, as you say, it is a it is a cultural change, and I mean, certainly my experience here is that everyone wants to do the right thing. Uh, sometimes they don't yeah. know what the right thing is, or they're worried that they won't have the money to sustain the right thing, and so there's that kind of uh, risk aversion around committing to standards that, of course are being observed in every other aspect of their business. But um, there's just long been a culture of seeing artist payments as the most flexible, the most, um, yeah, that, that, that most flexible part of a business, whereas, of course, it, it's the most fundamental. I mean, a, a, across um, a, across Ireland, how, um, how well or how consistently do you think that artists and organisations are aware of... Uh, what constitutes best practice and so not just in terms of the amount that you would pay an artist but stuff around getting into fair contracts and making clear agreements do, do you think best practice is um is broadly understood or people are still kind of you know flailing a little and, and, and kind of winging it i guess you probably find that there's, there's different perspectives on that um in terms of you know if you ask the sector, or if you ask the funded organizations, they probably say, oh, we're, we're well up to mark. If you ask the artists, they've always got another story. Now, whether that's right or not, I, you know, it's hard to, hard to, hard to tell. I mean, there are, you know, there are some good organizations, some good representative resource organizations here. Now, just as given the scale of the size of Ireland, a relatively small country, you know, I think they kind of, the type of union representative representation isn't something that you know particularly strong here compared say with you look at like the musicians union or uh, equity in the uk versus here there's just that that kind of uh, i suppose that's that's economy of scale you know so those organizations are perhaps not as strong as they might be might be in the uk but there are some there is some good work being done by some of the resource organizations to promote good practice and to campaign in that regard. And generally, I think you know, within the funded sector, the chiefly funded organizations, there's a broad kind of sense of what is good practice. But it's often the kind of, you know, 
there's the main programs or the big ticket events, but then often where you find artists are losing out, it's kind of that little bit of extra thing they were asked to do because, uh, you know, they got this. So actually, would you do this talk as well? Or, would you, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, it's, it's a little extra. So you may be well paid for that thing, but then actually, you know, you're not being paid for these other things or, um, yeah, a common experience yeah. here too. I think contracts is, is possibly, you know, it's more of a, there's I think different things in different sectors, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure the extent to which contracts are, um, are well used here as much as they, they might be. I know we, we had a, one of the consultation sessions we had during the process um, where one of the venues was saying, but sure, everyone, use, you know, we all use contracts where everyone issues contracts and um, the artists on the other side of the table said, well, in 30 years in my career, I've only been offered a contract twice. So I think there's, you know, you can see that there are different um, perspectives on this and it's hard to, sometimes hard to know. And obviously it's, it's stuff that people don't like talking about. Um, and obviously when organizations are having, when we're having our formal uh, meetings with organizations, they're always, telling us you know they're always in an effort to tell us what they're doing well and how well they're doing but you never really hear from artists you know you're rarely in an official capacity artists will rarely lift the phone and ring the arts council and complain about a treatment they've had you know you might hear about it secondhand or you might hear about it kind of in a an informal scenario uh where somebody's kind of telling a story about it but people will rarely lift the phone and ring the arts council and to complain about a bad experience they've had or something they're not happy with they just they don't want to put their head above the parapet and uh make that complaint they just oh, it's not yeah. they, it's the same they just know it's not worth it wow. exactly the same experience here there's just so much fear of consequences and so something that nava does a lot of is hearing from members who are experiencing exactly that and probably you know 99 percent of of those kinds of issues and disputes that we handle we can resolve completely quietly uh, and it's often just get on the phone or sending an email and and the other organization is just you know grateful to for the connection and to understand what best practice is and then there's a you know a small number that require a great deal of of support and a great deal of change and cultural change on on the side of the institution which i think is why the cultural change aspect of what you mentioned is so so important because you know i think it's kind of a lot of people get into the arts because uh, and particularly in organisations, because we want to preserve a certain informality, collegiality, a sense of community, a sense that we're working with like-minded people. And so sometimes some individuals or organisations feel like it would infringe upon that to offer a contract to really note formally what, what we're doing. And then, of course, that leads to that kind of exploitation or self-exploitation where no one feels like they can be the one to say, oh, hang on a minute, um, this, is, this is really not great and so what are the next steps for you guys because this is obviously part of you know a, a long-term approach to achieving that that cultural change you, you've had so much impact uh, on the policy there and here and around the world but what will your next steps be well I guess the next steps is trying to ensure that we are 
rolling the policy out and implementing it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in one sense, you do this piece of work and it's like, oh, you get the policy there and, you know, you can kind of stick it on the shelf and you move on to the next thing. But, you know, it's... it's Toby is um, now waving the policy. I can see the you policy. Know, now, now it's kind of like it's dawning on us kind yeah. of like how much work uh, there now is in um, in implementing this. So, yeah, we're in a way, you know, we, we've set out in the policy that rough time scale of when certain pieces we expect to be delivered or rolled out and I guess that gives us the base to, to, to go off and do that so yeah it is about the delivery on that now so yeah yeah it's uh, a yeah, lot of work to do so and what is your advice for us in Australia in developing such a thing because I think that um, governments can often be really averse to developing a policy which they suspect uh, is encroaching into an area of industry self-regulation. And I think that your policy has really struck that balance well. Um, and I can really see it having a lot of really constructive uh, outcomes. But what would your advice be to comparable um, uh, Australian uh, institutions who are considering developing policy in this area? Yeah, um, I mean, that's true. There's, you know, that that sense of, you know, it's not our role, not our, we can't be kind of getting involved in we can't set rates. And I think, you know, we have to be really clear and upfront about that. And there would, would be some people who who would be saying, well, no, it's the Arts Council money, you can be setting rates. But, you know, if it was only about Arts Council funding, then, you know, I don't think we're going to get too far with that. So I think just being clear and saying it's not about the rates because, you know, that, that has to be something that is set by those organisations that are mandated to to do that and it comes from uh, those representative bodies who whose members appoint people to to do that so uh, but i do think you know focusing it on the things we can change um and also trying to bring the artists and organizations with you it is a kind of potentially divisive area you know we fund artists we fund organizations we fund the representative bodies which are it could be in some ways seen as the in-between, but, you know, the conversations you have when you just have the organisations or you just have the artists in the room, you know, can be different. Uh, so it's about trying to bring both of those parties with you. We're not kind of trying to victimize, to kind of, I suppose, blame organisations. Like, you know, and we know that uh, obviously within the sector, people and organisations are really badly paid as well. You know, we know it's kind of yeah, um, right. that, you know, it's not kind of just a thing that artists are badly paid. And there is a question that's kind of come up throughout this to say, well, why why just the artists? You know, there's lots of people who are badly paid in the arts. And I guess what we, not so much about countering it, but it's like why we have prioritised the artists is because our 10-year our strategy has two policy objectives. One is public, the public public engagement and the other is the artist so that's why it's important for us on the artists and also i guess we, we know from research that artists because of their nature of our practice and how artists work they are particularly vulnerable so i guess it, you know that's given us i suppose the base to, to do that but i suppose very conscious that you know we we have to bring everyone with us and have to get people on board for this it's not a case of having to to kind of say well uh, the poor artists and the bad organizations, you know, that's that's not how it is and it, it's not how it works um, and it's not going to bring, bring us uh, success or help us achieve change if we, we approach it like that. 
Oh, completely, completely agree. Toby, this has been so, so useful. Thank you so much for talking me through Arts Council of Ireland's paying the artist policy. No problem. Thank you. Head to our website visualarts.net.au for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations. Thank you.